Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 159. I've never met a racer who's not an optimist. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Michael Culver. Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right, great to have you here. Michael Culver is the Chief Executive Officer, Managing Member, and Chairman of the Board of the Skip Barber Racing School. Headquartered in Brazelton, Georgia, Skip Barber is the world's largest racing school and driving school operating in more than 20 racetracks across the United States and Canada. Michael raced for 12 years after taking a three-day racing school in 1990, and he's won several Skip Barber Formula Masters Motor Racing Championships, and he's competed in the 24 Hours of Daytona. Prior to taking control at Skip Barber, Michael had over 20 years as an entrepreneur in investment banking and as a manager specializing in aerospace and motorsports. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles that go really fast? My mother told me my first word out of my mouth was car. (laughs) It's stuck with me ever since. You know, I'm a gearhead. I'm not an engineer, although I think like one, I think. I really like the technology of the of the automobile. It combines a lot of different technologies, more so now than ever, actually. Sure. And that's fascinating. And I love, I love driving. Um, so it's always been a passion of mine. In fact, I grew up in Montreal, and I was in Montreal when Le Circuit Montreal opened at Saint-Gervais. Oh, nice in the mid-60s, and I went to the very first SCCA Can-Am race. Uh, and for various reasons, I was with Sterling Moss at that race. No uh, way, really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It was amazing. Uh, um, for very, anyway, it's a long story, but ended up 
with him and one of my best friends at the time, and he took us up to uh, Le Circuit, and and it was just a epiphany because it was all Formula One drivers. It was in September. I don't know if you recall, but the Can Am series originally started in the fall and ran through the winter. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. And uh, we were there and uh, walking around, of course, with Sterling Moss. Everybody knew him, and you know, but there was. Chris Amon, Bruce McLaren, Danny Hume, Peter Revson. Oh, wow. Jackie X. It was fantastic. And uh, I then went to, uh, uh, my second race was a Trans Am race, watching a Trans Am race. That's where I got introduced to Penske, you know, the Penske machine. Oh, gosh, yeah. I remember walking along the false grid, and, and, and of course, uh, the two Penske cars were on the front row. And the hood was open. I looked under the hood, and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was just, you know, battleship gray paint on the firewall and on the in the engine bay, and it was just totally it was immaculate, like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so well, that was my. And, and at that time, I really was um, interested in motor racing. And there was a three-day school at Tromlong. It was a Jim Russell school, and I think the price was three hundred ninety-five dollars. And, you know, I didn't really feel comfortable asking my father for it. And I was ski racing and I was doing a lot of other things. And the other thing about motorsports in those days, it was uh, much more dangerous than it is now. Yes. So I think it discouraged a lot of young people from getting into the sport. So, but at the end of the day, uh, I did take a three-day school in 1990 uh, at Skip Barber. And it, it was like a dream come true. And with the intention, actually, of actually racing, and I started racing in, in earnest in 1993. I think that you know, one of the reasons I, I'm an owner of Skip Barber is I think the model is just fantastic. The business model, yes, driving it, the ability to put your toe in the water and try it, and if you like it, you can continue. And it's sort of what I call variable cost racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really make it easy for people. So I did that, and. Uh, the passion kept getting stronger and stronger, and eventually I put a group together to buy the company. And I took over control, actually, in July of 2009, thinking the recession was almost over. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> anyway, it's been a real challenge. It's the most challenging business endeavor I've been in. Yeah, well, in our pre-show talk, I told you that I took my racing lessons, if you will, at Skip Barber at Laguna Seca, and I had such a great time. I thought I wanted to to go vintage racing, and I did actually, and did that for many years. I really had a good time. They put some confidence into me at that three-day school that, you know what, I think I can do this and go out and have some fun. I didn't race at the levels that you raced, but still out there having some fun, going fast, and it was a great job. The people there were really nice and just made me, I was a little nervous, I have to say, when I first got there, like, oh gosh, do I really, should I be doing this? I've got little kids at home, but Fantastic, and I've I've been to the school out at Elkhart Lake and got to spend time driving around that track with your, your staff there. So great job. You guys are doing an awesome job. Love what you're up to, and uh sounds like you've moved from the investment banking world into the fun, fast, and furious world of uh, running racetracks. So. Running a racing school, unfortunately, we don't own any of the tracks that we operate at. Uh, we spend a lot of money on track rent, Yeah, uh, and it's probably a direction we'll move in is actually own one facility. Hopefully sooner, better than later. Yeah, for a number of reasons, but um, but this is you know it's not my first rodeo in terms of operating businesses. I came out of business school and actually worked in the aerospace industry 
for a while before starting the investment bank. And uh, the investment banking we did was all turn around troubled situations. And we, we what they sort of, what was a great foundation for me was seeing how our clients, like Bombardier, for instance, we represented them in the acquisition of Canada Air, which makes the business jet called the Challenger and the Canada Air RJ jets and so on. Uh-huh. Seeing how Bombardier took that business and, and grew it and turned it around. It was, a, it was a, a company with great products, but with not great processes and management and so on. Uh-huh. Bombardier bought it, turned it around, and uh, Bombardier went from $400 million, bought Canada Air, which was $400 million in sales, and now it's about eighteen billion in sales. It's oh, the third no. largest, third largest commercial aircraft manufacturer in the world. Wow! So when we saw what could be done by taking a troubled situation that had some hidden assets, we decided that's what we would do as well. So we had um, built up some capital as a result of earning success fees from our investment banking. We bought troubled situations and started turning them around and. Uh-huh. Uh, Skip Barber was one that uh, my partner, business partner at the time in 1990 when I took the three-day school, we said, this is a great, fantastic company with a good brand, and, and we expressed an interest in, in sort of staying close to it and potentially buying it, and then Skip sold it in 1999 uh, to a group, and then um, we put a group together to buy that, buy it from that group uh-huh. in late 2001. Nice. And I didn't start running it really. My partner was running it at the time, and I didn't start running it until July 2009. Okay. Well, great story. Awesome, awesome. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. A big influence on my career was uh, Laura Baudouin, who runs. He's still the chairman of Bombardier. He has an expression which has stuck with me, which is the money's made on the plant floor. Ah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you apply that to Skip Barber, it's very applicable because the money's made on the asphalt. It's, it's, made, <laughs> yeah. it's made with um, what we do on the asphalt and what our instructors do with our clients. Right. Everything else eats into that. And tell everybody in, in management, you know, we're, we're the people that eat the gross margin. <laughs> we're not creating the gross margin. The gross, gross margin is created out on the uh, on the asphalt. Yeah. And the methodology that we use and, and uh, the fantastic instructors that we have, we've experienced that a couple of times. Yes. So that saying, the money's made on the plant floor, is one that, uh, you know, obviously I've, I've never for, I haven't forgotten I never will forget it. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I know you said the first word out of your mouth was car, but is there a moment in your life, a pivotal moment, when you really knew you were a car guy? Well, my mother loved cars. We would go every every year, you know, in those days, uh, in the uh, 60s, the U.S. automotive people made a new car every year, right? Every model changed every year. Yeah. So we used to go spend, when the cars first hit the showroom in October, November, we used to go look at all the cars. And one day, she came home and said to me, I saw the most fantastic car down in a shopping area in Montreal. And she described it to me, and it was an SL230. Oh, okay. Mercedes, yeah. The Pagoda top cars, yeah. 
<laughs> I hadn't seen one. So we, we drove back down and we looked at it. And uh, then I tried to get my parents to buy one. And they, she wanted to get one. My dad wasn't that keen. But I said, if you're going to look at one of those, you might as well look at Porsche, too. So mm-hmm. we they went and looked at 911s. And at the end of the day, we ended up buying a Chevy Blazer. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Now that was a switch. Well, that was a switch because we have a, a place in the Laurentians, which um, we have a, mo- a road that's a mile long that um, requires all-wheel drive to get in and out in the winter. Okay. <laughs> so um, that was the practical side of the family. Right, exactly. Uh, but that whole process of looking at the Mercedes and looking at the Porsche, and I was about 16 at the time, and actually test driving them, that combined with my experience in the, uh, watching Trans Am races and so on, I really knew I, I, that cars were going to be an important part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Little did you know where you'd end up now. Michael, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawled in the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you have faced in your career. But the most important part of this question is how you overcame it and, of course, what did you learn from it? Well, I was on the, I was a ski racer. And um, I was on the World Cup Tour, which is sort of like the Formula One circuit. Yes. Alpine ski racing. It's what Lindsey Vaughn and Ted Ligeti and Bodie Miller are doing every weekend. Yeah. I was a downhiller. Oh, wow. I had lofty goals, and I got sort of lost my way when I was 21, 22, and quit prematurely after being on, on the World Cup, especially on the downhill circuit for five years at a young age. I did go back to school and I ski race professionally, but I've sort of always said I wish I'd sort of stuck with it for another four or five years and done the 276 Olympics and so on. Mm-hmm. It's not a regret as much as it's it's taught me to stick with things. Stick, You know, you grow up, you say, okay, I want to be the world's greatest downhill ski racer. And you have the desire and, and the dedication to do it. And then you to get pushed off course by some other, you know, when you're not confident, you get pushed off course and so on. Right. By people who aren't mentoring you. That was uh, a real lesson that, you know, to, to, for me to stick with things. You know, if, if you set your goals and you work hard at it, nobody can push you off achieving those goals. There's luck involved. But that was a lesson, a life lesson for me. And, I, you know, it's really helped me in business. Business is, uh, you know, you've got a lot of challenges, especially in this economy. Oh, gosh. Well, you know what they say about luck? Isn't that when uh, preparation meets opportunity? <laughs> so being prepared. But, wow, great story. I, I really appreciate you sharing that very personal story with us. Stick to it. That's the key to that one. Let's tenacity. Tenacity. And, and it's... Um, it's believing in yourself and saying to yourself, okay, I set this goal four, five, six years, and even maybe 10 years ago, and it still makes sense. And don't let anyone divert you from your efforts to, to meet the achieve your goals. Oh, yes. Classic entrepreneurship 101. Fantastic. Michael, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'd love for you to share a story with our listeners when you had a real aha moment in your career. It was one of those times when you realized, you know what, this idea, this concept is really going to make it. This is a great one. And tell us the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into your success. Well, it goes back to the whole, the initial, the very first investment banking deal 
that we did, which is the acquisition of Canadair by Bombardier. And seeing what Bombardier did with Canadair, that was an aha moment for a number of reasons. Was able to see what a, a good manager could do with a property that was, you know, an underutilized asset. Mm -hmm. So, um, and being an individual athlete, like a ski racer, you're basically an entrepreneur right from the get-go, right? <laughs> yes. So, seeing uh, the entrepreneurial approach to taking Canada Air and making it a, a huge aerospace success was was an aha moment. And the other aha reason it was an aha moment because it was my first success in uh, my own business career. In, in a business, in, in other words, my, I started this company to do the acquisition of Canada to represent Lombardia, and we were successful in that way, in achieving that. Yeah. So it gave me a lot of confidence to go keep continue on working for myself. Sure. Would you say that was probably your proudest business or career moment, or is there another one in particular that stands out? That was a good one. The other one is we, we bought a company called for, uh, National Air Motor Corporation, which was in the gas repair and overhaul of gas turbine engines, both for industrial use and aero use. And uh, we put a fantastic manager in place, and uh, he turned it around, and uh, we were able to sell it to Rolls-Royce, not the car people, but the aero people. Uh -huh. You know, we made up, we did very well on it. So that was, that was a real, that's been a real highlight uh, of my career. So the two big highlights in terms of business have been Representing Bombardier in the acquisition of Canada and then the sale of National Air Motor Corporation to Rolls-Royce. Buying Skip Barber was a dream come true, and we're still working on, on uh, realizing the dream. Uh -huh. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> it does. It's a complicated business, and it's, you, know, you don't have a huge amount of, of uh, revenue to run a complicated business. It um, makes it a really good challenge. Oh, sounds like it. Just like racing. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you had with that vehicle. The first car I bought was a, um, a, 120, a Volvo 123 GT. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you familiar with that vehicle? I'm not. I'm trying to envision what that is. I need to look that up. It's a, it was a, do, you, do you remember the 122S? Yes. Okay. So this was a hotter version of the 122S. Okay. Basically, like taking a 2002 and buying a 2002 TII. Okay, it was the same, kind of, and it had uh, obviously manual transmission, four speed, but it had an electric overdrive and stiffer uh, suspension. Had sway bars. In those days, you buy cars. A base car didn't have any sway bars. And I bought it secondhand from one of my ski coaches, and uh, it was. Um, what year was it? It was a uh, '67, I think. Okay. I now I know what you're talking about. I'm sneaking on to Google here. I know exactly the car. Those are cool. They're like a almost like a a big puffy alpha. Ju, yeah. You know, Julietta from the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really nice vehicle. Drove it all over the place. I was going to University of Denver and I drove it a number of times across the country. That was a great car. Yeah. It was really fun, uh, you know, uh, double clutching and heel and towing all the time. Oh yeah. It was a, you know, you really had to drive it. Is there a car that you've let go over your lifetime that you really wish you could have back, that seller's remorse? Well, I never look, you know, I'm a sort of a guy that always looks ahead, not backwards, but... Classic racer, heads up, always looking out ahead. <laughs> I would like to still own my uh, 
996 GT3 Cup car, which I raced in World Challenge. Oh, yes. That was an unbelievable vehicle. We basically, in World Challenge in, in 02, 03, 04, you could run a, a, basically an RSR motor mm -hmm. in a GT3 Cup car, which was a narrower track than the RSR car. And we were running on Toyo street tires. So it was just a huge amount of fun to drive. A very a real challenge. Fantastic vehicle. Sounds awesome. I sold it to James Safranis, who I don't know if you're familiar with him, but you live on the West Coast. He owns uh, GW, GNG. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know the name. Yeah. Fantastic. Does he still have it? I think it's been through a couple of iterations. I think he still has it, basically, yeah. Okay, cool. Are there any projects that you're working on right now that really have you excited and fired up? Well, yes, at Skip Barber, we're, we're making quite a few changes. TrackRent's been a huge consumer of cash here, and we've come up with a new model. We call it the new operating model mm -hmm. that will reduce our track rent per seat day. We look at seat days, in other words, the number of seats on offer per day, and we're going to go to locations where we can run a number of different programs on the same day so that we spread the track rent over more seats. Oh, okay. And the reason that's exciting is because it'll give us uh, more cash to spend on the product. For instance, a new open wheel car, which is something that we've wanted to do for a long time. Sure. On marketing, on automation, on people. So that's exciting. We've got some new people in the management team, young people. Uh -huh. who are the sort of next generation leaders, not sort of, but they are the next generation leaders. Uh, we're reorganizing our race series around uh, one of those individuals, Casey Carden, who's in his, only in his mid-twenties, but are way ahead of that in terms of his maturity and, and uh, his thinking, and he's, he's a real clear thinker. So we're going to create a competition department that'll really focus on, on what we do, which is unique from everybody, which is uh, racing. Um, the three-day school, the two-day advance, and our race series is really something that nobody else does with the arrive-and-drive model that we have. Now, here's an interesting question for you, always a little bit revealing. If Michael Culver was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? I think it'd be a Porsche. They're durable. They're robust. We've had, we have nine 991s in our high-performance driving school, and we've had a lot of other cars, and, then, and we had 996s as well. Mm -hmm. And they stand up to the the most uh, some, somewhat abusive treatment. Sure. Better than all the other cars. So they're strong. They're robust. They know what, what their place is in life, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. They know their position in life, and they play it well. Nice. And they're, they're cars that you can drive all year round. I mean, a lot of people don't. But if you go to Europe, I mean, people drive Porsches all year round. They're driving through the Alps and the snow and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the two-wheel drive ones. Sure. Very nice. Well, 911s are one of my favorite as well, so very well put. Okay, Michael, we're entering what I call the last lap, and you're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag is out. Pedal to the metal, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Effort equals results. Ah, uh, that sounds like a Penske saying. It is. <laughs> yes. Great saying. Great guy. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes? I like to be organized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that in our pre-show checklist. Yeah. Being, uh, being organized is definitely important. 
Do you have a resource that you could share with our Cars Yeah listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website that you go to often or a blog that you get or even could be an app for your phone. I really like the uh, car and driver guys. I like Eddie Alterman a lot. And Felix is, is uh, the, the publisher of both Car and Driver, Esquire, and, uh, and Road and Track. Mm-hmm. And I've had a, I mean, when I was a kid, I had, I guess I, they didn't know what it was, but I probably had ADD. And I really had a hard time focusing on reading. The only thing that taught me to read was reading magazines about cars. Ah. And so I've been a car and driver and road and track guy for a long, long time. But uh, it's really cool now because we have a great relationship with Hearst to be able to actually work with people like Eddie Alterman. So I look at that as a resource, especially the dot-com version. So, Michael, how about books? Is there a book in particular that you're really fond of that you think the Cars Yeah listeners should get their hands on? Well, I, th- I like Bob Lutz's book, Car Guys and Bean Counters. I thought that was a really good chronolo- uh, description of of GM at its worst, and, and it was a very, uh, you learn a lot, and it's a fun book to read. Yes, the subtitle, The Battle for the Soul of American Business. <laughs> yeah, great book. I love that. Well, listeners, you can find these resources that Michael shared with us at carsyad.com slash Michael Culver. Just put Michael in the search box, and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, Michael, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, don't worry about the cost because I'm going to buy you whatever you want today. What would that one vehicle be and why? Arid Senna's McLaren Honda. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, what is it about that race car that just pulls on your heart? I think those cars of the late 80s, early 90s were the most attractive F1 cars, at least in my life. And... uh of course, it was, you know, McLaren knew, you know, they know there's their real perfectionist. Ron Dennis is an unbelievable perfectionist, and uh, it's a well-oiled machine. And, and uh, you know, the car won, I don't know how many races, but in, uh, of course, it won the championship. And it's just a gorgeous-looking vehicle. Yeah, beautiful. Great choice. Well, Michael, you've taken me on a great ride around the track today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack in that McLaren Honda? Keep your goals. Keep focused on your goals. Don't let people distract you from achieving your objectives. But the other thing that I like about motorsports is that um, you live through a business cycle over a three or four day weekend. You have to plan. You have to organize around the plan. You have to have a strategy. And then you run the race. You have to adjust that strategy. And at the end of the day, you know whether you've done a good job or not. And that really applies to business. But in business, the cycle is much, much longer. Of course. And you don't always get the instant. You definitely don't get the instant gratification. We're doing things at Skip Barber that won't have a positive effect until 6 to 12 months from now. Right. But racing gives you that instant gratification. Or, you know, and you're always learning. At the end, you debrief and you say, okay, what could we have done better? Those skills are skills that apply to a lot of things in life, and in my case, it applies to the business. Oh, absolutely, and the other part of that is having a good team around you, especially in professional racing, but even in amateur or vintage racing like I did. To have a great team around you, you have a mechanic that can help you if you have a problem, even if you have your family there to cheer you on or uh, give you a drink when you come in and you're you're dying after a, a long stint in the car. So that's a great analogy. I love that. Perfect. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you 
in Skip Barber Racing School. Go to skipbarber.com and uh, tell, they'll tell you quite a bit about what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, we have Facebook pages, we have Twitter accounts and so on. And we try to be um, as engaged as possible on the social media front. And we're doing a better job of that now than we have in a lot, ever. By the way, YouTube has quite a few Skip Barber, great Skip Barber videos. And- oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, I've gone through their school. If you want to go out and have some fun, even if you're not going to go racing, if you just want to learn better car skills, you want to go have an awesome three days, attend one of their schools. It is so much fun and worth every penny, and it could save you one day out on the street, too, with the skills that you learn. So I encourage everybody to check out the links that Michael shared with us today. Go to the website and uh, have some fun. Make 2015 that a goal for 2015. One of the things you, you gain access to when you come to the Skip Barber Racing School or any school or you participate in a race event, even as a spectator, is you get indoctrinated into the way of thinking, uh, the way of living, which is what I call the motorsports lifestyle. It's a, it's a very optimistic, uh, opportunistic way of living your life. Yes. And, uh, I've never met a racer who's not an optimist. and it's just so refreshing to be around people who have achieved so much success elsewhere in their life seeing them do what they want to do and seeing them live out their dreams well you know what's great about that i write a blog every week here at cars yeah and the listeners can get it if you go to my site and subscribe and today's blog touches just on that it talks about getting involved in some way no matter how small with the car hobby with the fascination of of cars or racing, whatever it is, because it'll give you a sense of feeling younger. And I love the fact that you talk about being optimistic. It really does. And it it just envelops your life and it makes things so much more fun. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm so um, impressed with Car and Driver and Eddie Altman. He really gets it. He really really loves the motorsports lifestyle, the way of life and the way of thinking that that we have. And it's really your... You're sort of joining a privileged group, not privileged so much in financially, but privileged in, in being able to share things with people that have the same passion. Yep, that's exactly what I'm doing here at Cars yeah. And it sounds like you need to introduce me to Eddie so I can get him on Cars Yeah. Sounds like he'd be a great guest. Oh, he'd be a great guest. I'll, I will do that. I'll send, I'll send you both an email. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Look forward to it. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!